Welcome to Triumph and Disaster, a show dedicated to manly creativity and culture. Brought to you by your host, Cameron McHarg. Hey guys, it's Cameron McCarg, and we're back with another episode of Triumph and Disaster. And this week, I'm really excited about this one because uh, it was a it was a great conversation. This is Dennis Illich. I hope I didn't jack your last name pronunciation up, Dennis. I should have asked before. I don't know why I didn't ask before doing this, but some crazy Croatian last name. I L I C Illich. I think it is. Anyway, Dennis is a uh, he's an Australian celebrity photographer. He um, shoots everybody, but particularly he's. He's got a couple of books actually coming out soon, which we talk about in here, but it's particularly uh, people like in the sci-fi genre or, you know, like Star Trek, Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, but then also other kind of sort of related kind of comic kind kind of stuff like, you know, Walking Dead or um, Lord of the Rings and all that kind of stuff. So he has shot everybody and in a way that's just super cinematic and super cool. And I'm going to go ahead and post everything up on the blog at triumphanddisasterblog.com so you can see it all there. But um, yeah, we just kind of, uh, we hadn't seen each other in years. It was kind of funny and you can hear it in the, in the actual talk because we, um, we started to catch up, you know, and getting a coffee and uh, talking and I was like, no, 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 we should, you know, save this. So for the interview, well, not interview, for the talk. And uh, so <laughs> it's kind of a weird, awkward conversation before we got started. And then we just basically hit record and just sort of talked, you know, with a microphone in front of our face, but that's all it was. Really interesting, really good guy. Hope you enjoy. Here's Triumph and Disaster. Yeah, um, I have no idea what's going on. There's a thing uh, in the uh, in the LA Times. This uh, magazine has come in, and there's a it's a, it's a really cool picture of the Queen made up of what looks like thousands of other little pictures. One of those sort of comp- compilation things. I guess there's you know there's like Australians. There's a lot of Brit actors and producers and directors here, so. Never, never, never. Uh, New Zealander, actually, all the time. Yeah, and even with my silver hair, uh, in um, uh, I was just got back from Santa Fe and I was copying uh, the Jermaine uh, from Flight of the Concords. Uh, holy cap, cow! Uh, and I love the guys. You know, like, yeah. Well, you know, not that you know, my hair's kind of salt and pepper now, but I used to color it black until about three years ago, and I had choppers you know big sideburns and I always wore the glasses curly black hair I'd be walking down uh, dude uh, I walked down Santa Monica Boulevard or more more uh, relevant uh, Melrose and I would get asked for autographs all the time and then I'd start to say no I'm not the guy and then I hear the accent go, no no obviously you are you are we, you, we know you are because Americans can't tell the difference between the Australian and New Zealand accent um, yeah and and to us yeah yeah, it, it's 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 very similar, but it, to us, it's very different. Like Canadian is to uh, Americans and Canadians, you know. Um, and uh, you know, as uh, as they said in Flight of the Concords, you know, there was that there's a scene where they were at, um, at uh, waiting to be checked into hospital because um, Jermaine was going out <laughs> with an Australian. And they they coined the Australian accent. He says, "What's the Australian accent like?" And he goes, "It's our. It's like ours, only more evil." <laughs> Which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Oh, well, um, yeah. Well, uh, New Zealanders, New Zealanders, um, like the E and the I sort of goes into a news to into a U. So they'll say fish and chops instead of fish and chips. And you know, it's like you know, Netflix. 
instead of Netflix, you know, or Netflux. <laughs> you know, so that's the extreme, you know. But to, to me, I mean, the minute I'm talking to a New Zealander, even if they've been living here in Australia for 20 years, that, that sneaks through and I can tell, you know. Um, but, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's at Seattle, you're a bit too close. <laughs> Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's. Yeah. There you go. Brits and New Zealanders. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. We hadn't seen each other for years, and we were talking, and I made it kind of awkward, because I was like, no, that's what... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. A lot has happened in that time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's just a little um, Starbucks every now and again. We'll do a a special blend, and they do these sort of short runs and uh, special editions of coffee where they they age them and let them have fungus grow all over them to ferment them and then they dry them in sacks in the you know zero humidity you know warehouses in Singapore and all sorts of crazy things like that and they they make for a pretty pretty strong pungent flavored coffee you know uh, but I have a, a favorite that I like to get down from Seattle called Storyville and uh, when I run out of that I, I'm not really really good at planning ahead or planning in general so i kind of tend to run out run out rather than pre-order and panic um and uh so i've just we just bought some of that to because I, I like grinding my own coffee in the morning and doing stovetop yeah yeah no it's fantastic yeah 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 it's it is really good it is really good uh, i'll have to um i'll have to uh, send you their uh, contact details because uh they're just even their branding and their packaging it's all just beautiful you know and you can so you can see that when there's so much love and care in all of that uh as well there there's you know a real passion for the coffee and the process and everything and you you open up one of the storyville packs of coffee and it's like whoa it's just the best thing ever you know it's really really cool Uh, yeah, yeah. I um, I've been to Seattle a couple of times now, and the, and the first time, like like all my travels in general, I I go to new regions because of work, not because of want. As much as I love traveling, if there was nothing to bring me to Seattle, it wouldn't be on my radar to go there just yet because I've got a lot of other things to do. So. I ended up doing stills on a on a film down there, an indie film that was um, being shot, uh, and it was a lot of fun. You know, I went there for two weeks and uh, discovered Storyville, and that was about two years ago, you know. So, yeah, yeah, so uh, that was great. But Vancouver is a, is a favorite place of mine because it's kind of where I first started in this business of shooting, um, you know, specifically science fiction actors because I w- went there for the last few few weeks of um the final episodes of Battlestar Galactica in 2008 and made a lot of friends there and uh it's kind of been like a it was like a second home to me for a long time and in fact I would uh, come to whenever I come to the states every year since 2008 on my holiday visa which is three months maximum 
I would spend probably two two of those months in Vancouver, um, and then one of those months in the U.S. You know, until I finally got my green card here. So, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you're used to the rain and the cold and all that stuff. All, all that stuff that people. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I'm a I'm a cold weather person, you know. So all that stuff they talk about, you know, the, the people escape from Vancouver for, you know, the two weeks of solid rain is why I go there. You know, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Hmm. I love it. I love it. it it's cozy. It, it's sort of conducive to staying home and doing work, and it's great. You know? Yeah, I really miss it. I miss um, the winter, you know, getting a good dose of that, you know, trying to keep warm from here. I know, and, and you never see a cloud. I mean, I've just been in Santa Fe for just under two weeks, and uh, it was fantastic, you know. It, yeah, you know, during the day, in the morning, it was freezing, you know. You're wearing, you know, snow jackets, and by lunchtime, you're in your T-shirts and, you know, wondering whether you can get around just wearing your underwear. And then by the evening again, it's it's freezing and it's snowing or it's raining. It's just... Yeah, any place, for me, any place that is stunning, uh, you know, and picturesque with, you know, sun and, you know, rolling hills and clouds, it's ten times more beautiful when that inclement weather comes in and you have the lightning and the storms and all that sort of thing and the, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you go into the hills and it's all, it's all forests and cool, yeah, it's, it's stunning, yeah. 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 Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cosmopolitan. It's very much like a, a lot of Australian cities too. You know, the the Commonwealth countries. You know, they're they're quite beautiful and uh, have a a very mixed sort of heritage because immigration. Uh, into Vancouver and Australia was happening at the same time basically you know in the 50s my parents you know were they're European and uh, they decided that they wanted to leave um, you know Italy and Croatia and uh, you know they they were Australia was basically paying people to come over to work you know um, I think you know once Australia started to become industrialized in the 40s and 50s all the uh, you know the more aristocratic people there realized they needed people to do the, the the hard labor that they didn't want to do themselves you know what I mean so they just brought over Chinese brought over Italians Greeks Jews uh, you know every race you can imagine you know and um, my parents yeah, yeah, and uh, in in Australia in particular, Melbourne became this you know this incredible 
cosmopolitan cooking pot you know like and because of that you just get some of the best food anywhere in the world from those cultures mixed with other cultures and so i think you know the biggest greek community outside of greece is in melbourne you know in victoria you know same with the croatians a massive presence in my hometown there and uh, um you know some of the finest coffee in the world and restaurants in the world and you know indie pub bands and rock and roll you know is, is all in melbourne you know it's quite the art city of uh, and you know when my parents were checking off where they're going to go it was like Canada or Australia, Canada or Australia, and they, they picked Australia. You know, it could have quite easily been Canadian, you know. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it's a, you know... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I was, you know, I, I started, um, you know, I was doing a little bit of cinematography and photography in Australia, um, but as, as is the case with most people in, in well, you know, I, I say in the creative industry, but every every field of work is creative, you know, you need to be able to think creatively and, and laterally as a, as a physicist, as you do as a doctor, um, as you do as an actor or a filmmaker or a photographer, um, but as in every industry there, you kind of find yourself a little bit... Uh, uh, hampered to move forward, you know. So I was doing okay with um, the work I was doing, but there certainly seemed to be a limit as to how far I could go Um, to the point where I was almost to the point of deciding to give up photography in 2007, you know, altogether because I just wasn't being fulfilled with the sort of work I was doing. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, And, you know, my work wasn't really that appreciated there as well, I was finding. Um all the style of work that I was doing, uh, you know, I kind of liked more introspective, darker photography. And um, so, you know, I had this opportunity to uh, to visit um, the set of Battlestar just before they were going to um, finish shooting uh, the series. You know, the series was going to be wrapping. And I, uh, I did that. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where it was a closed set, Nobody was allowed to do any sort of photography. There were no journalists. You know, even the set photographer was only coming out once a week sort of thing. And because it was, you know, there was big stories, storylines going to be dropped, you know, about who the final five were and all that sort of stuff. And they didn't want anything leaking. Um, and, uh, but, and, but in doing that, there was nobody documenting the end of this remarkable series as well. So, um, yeah, well, you know, I, I was, you know... I was there um, just visiting uh, and hanging out on the set of one of my favourite shows, you know, invited by the director, you know, Michael Reimer. Hmm. That's okay. Hmm. Same, yeah. A reboot, yeah. Hmm. As we always are, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's a it's a mind blowing show that deals with every single problem we have in the world today on a, a backdrop of a space opera. You know, it's just it was brilliant work by Ronald D. Moore. You know, and his writing and. Um, Michael Reimer, the director, who's a really good friend of mine, wrote a lot of episodes as well, and he was a principal director. And um, it, it's a remarkable show. It, it 
it handled everything relevant to the point where you know uh, Edward Almos and Mary McDonald and David Icke were like talking to the UN and all that sort of stuff about the sort of things that they were addressing in that show. Yeah, it was it was incredible. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, he's absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He's the one that basically, um, when he knew I was there, he was like, you need to, you know, like I, I, I wasn't even going to bring my cameras with me. You know, I was at a point in my life where I'd actually listed all my gear on eBay to sell. And, um, yeah, and uh, like Michael said, you know, you know, chill out, come to Vancouver and, you know, we're in Deep Cove, we're really far away from everything. You mightn't actually even be able to get anywhere unless you get a car and it's cold and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, yeah, I could use the decompression. And, and he's the one that really convinced me to bring my camera gear with me anyway. You know, so I brought it with me and I'm very close to not bringing that and just having a bit of a getaway, you know. And, uh, and um you know, it was Eddie almost was like, uh, you know, in, in that voice of his, you know, this is a really special show. There's nobody documenting this. It's your job to do this. You know, you, you are tasked with making sure that the memories of the end of this show are, are captured, you know. So it was kind of like, for me, as most people know, uh, that know me and, you know, Blade Runner is probably the consummate best film ever for me you know it's like it it was kind of really the the introduction into um really amazing storytelling in science fiction you know and uh um it's for to you know to meet like eddie eddie's character in blade runner was you know uh one of my favorites as well and uh to sort of meet him for the first time on the set of battlestar after watching a show for you know four seasons and then have him come up to me and saying you got to do me a favor and it's like i'm like <laughs> you know and uh and that's <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely um and you know it, it was just an amazing experience to be there and run around taking you know having um the ability to do document all this sort of stuff for which we're working on doing a book you know at the moment called last days of battlestar galactica uh, yeah mm. yeah yeah but that's how it all started and you know work you know then um i'd be on set and you know uh, you know big apple fan so i i'm an early adopter of everything and i had the iphone one and i had a lot of my photographs on there and um people started uh seeing the photographs on my phone and you know approaching me to do shoots you know like these are actors that i'm fans of saying they love my work and i've come from australia where you know kind of been told my work sucks so i'm kind of really confused and pinching myself saying well okay let's going to do a shoot i guess if you think it's all right and uh and that's how it all started you know i photograph i shot i think the first time was um with uh i've got to get, get which way around is i think it was um with jamie bamber and then jamie bamber convinced james callis to shoot with me and you know it just went from there you know so these uh it just went from one to the other from one to the, other. the one person that took forever to get around to shooting was eddie almost because he was so busy all the time you know and uh like it was eight years i guess in the making but i only photograph finally photographed him not oh man we're, we're really good friends he's he's like the godfather of of everybody on that show and you know the adopted father of everybody including me you know he's uh absolutely 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 and uh and we finally got around to it uh, early this year. It was February, and uh, we did a shoot, and I'm really 
it was kind of it happened when it was supposed to happen I think my style of work did develop to a point um, of what I wanted to do with him that when I shot him was when I was supposed to shoot him if I shot him six months or a year after Battlestar I probably wouldn't be that happy with those photographs you know what I mean um, but uh, you know when we did this this shoot it was just and that's kind of uh you know, that's part of another book that I'm sort of about to uh, release about men, men of science fiction. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate. You know, we're as artists, we're always very. Um, uh, I, I'm, you know, feel uncomfortable even using that word. But you know, as creatives, we're always um, the most self-deprecating people uh, about what we do. And uh, you know, I, I constantly strive to to change and improve my my work and hate everything that I do. You know, so it's kind of like uh, I'm always. Uh, it's this real weird mix, especially with social media, where you're actually. Um, putting stuff out there um, you know from a purely from a business point of view as well you're promoting your brand and yourself and you're putting your work up there at, and and saying hey check this out check this awesome actor check this beautiful photograph and hating doing it every, with every every atom of your body yeah it's like mm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You are. You're exposing yourself to... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, for that reason, I mean, uh, the percentage of what people see and what I've got is, you know, I've got 20 terabytes of photographs of which people have seen a few hundred, you know what I mean? So a few hundred photographs, not terabytes, you know. So um, it's always... Every day, you know, I'll work on something and if I post a photograph, uh, I'll have about posted five different ones or six different ones and and, and, and got to put it away got to put it away and uh everything is fine you know the the thing is i'm a little bit um a, a little bit of a, a perfectionist and my my business partner and dear friend ken who's uh in australia and he shot eddie with me and daniel Radcliffe, and uh, he always tries to drum into my head that um the enemy of uh of great and perfectly acceptable and awesome is perfection you know like perfection is the enemy of everything you know but when you're wired that way um it's hard to fight it you know yeah hmm yeah yeah Mm. Oh, you always do. You always do. Mm. Oh, totally. It, 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 you know, they're some of the most insecure people I've met and worked with uh, at the absolute top of the industry in, in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. 
Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, who knows where you'll be, I mean, life is just, you know, there are crossroads everywhere you turn, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I could be working you know a retail job or something like that and or working in sales and and making six figures you know and 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 be really happy with my three cars and a house or even more depressed you just don't know you know i think um with with the sort of ups and downs of um sort of striking out uh, in a new country like coming here is is like being born again you know all the safety nets are taken away you're starting from scratch it's it's terrifying and exhilarating at the same time because i found that in the u.s and in los angeles in particular every time you walk out in the street you're pulling a lottery handle with you know not rigged odds that something awesome can come your way you know, and you meet people here that are, you know, genuinely kind and interested and helpful, you know, and I don't, didn't find that back in Australia very often at all. Um, and I don't know why that is, you know, I don't like to be too disparaging about my, you know, where I was born because it's a beautiful country and, you know, uh, you know, I have beautiful friends and family there. But from a creative point of view, I just didn't get the the support and that validation that we need that you are doing the right thing and you're on the right path and, and encouragement. You know, encouragement was a thing that was really lacking back in Australia, except for my absolute immediate close friends, you know, and family. And like if three people are saying you're awesome, you should keep going uh, and 3,000 are saying, you know, we don't care about you or what you do those are you know your 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 mind sort of thinks in certain directions you know here um there is you know and and i'm really really sensitive and very protective about people especially back in australia and and other countries that are um anti-us and and have bad things to say about los angeles in particular you know they tar it with this brush that is propagated by really bad media reporting in those countries and people in the street will grab that and run with it and they've never been here you know and people say to me why are you living in that hellhole you know where everybody's just being shot in the streets and it's all this and that and it's tinsel and it's everybody there is fake and and i'm like well, will you tell me which part of la you found that in because i'm not hanging out there you know it's like i think you generate um, what you want and what you are. So good people, like, you're not going to meet an asshole through me because I don't hang around with users and assholes and two-faced people. So I'm not going to introduce you to anybody like that. So if, if you want to hang out with, if you want to, you know, be depressed and, and, and angry, hang out with depressed and angry people. If you want to be happy and successful, we're, we're osmotic creatures. You know, we are what we eat. You know, we we take. You know, if 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 there were five people uh, sitting around this table now, um, bemoaning everything and in tears, I'd be like, oh fuck, you know, I want to kill myself. But if there's five people saying, yeah, let's do this, you know, let's make this movie, it's going to be awesome, and if it, if we can't do it, we'll find another, and you get exhilarated by that, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wake up. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, you're not cynical and you're not suspicious of everything. And and the thing is that statistics are statistics. Statistics. Try to say that five times an hour. You know, the fact of the matter is. There, <laughs> there are good people and bad people everywhere, you know, and, uh, you know, you have more people uh, in a given area, you're going to have more bad people. So, of course, there's lots of, you know, bad stuff happening in Los Angeles, but um, there's also uh, an exponential amount of good stuff and good people happening here, too, you know, and that's what I'm drawn to. Uh, and I love to help people. I love to connect people. And in a country where networking is not a dirty word and it's a way of life and it's an expected thing i i thrive here i love saying hey you you guys should meet up you know and do something and if you guys do something and you know you know go stratospheric with what you're doing i'm happy about that i'm not like angry about that you know which is what you know uh hmm. yeah Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, teaming up with people is just great, you know, and uh, and doing stuff together. That's why I'm I'm doing a lot of photography now with uh, a, a business partner. You know, I formed you know we formed a business relationship uh, together with TJ Scott, who's a director and a very prolific photographer and we not 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 as in the Ridleys or anything like that no. um, but he's uh, he's um, you know he's a photographer um, first he was a photographer first and then became a director and and still maintains his passion for photography and we you know do a lot of work together so when I get a shoot that I'm really sort of excited about doing and it's something really cool rather than going out there on my own I'll say hey we should do this together it'll be awesome and I love that I love tag teaming and and then I'll be shooting and he'll say you know what come over here this angle's awesome you know <laughs> and uh, and we do it that way you know and it's just fun you know it's just so much fun doing it together yeah mm. Yeah, which is, you know, it's one of those things that's a long-term, you know, development process and uh, um, it's still in the works, yeah. It's a a passion project for me because uh, it's something that, you know, my brother and I have spoken a lot about. My brother is... Um, a, you know, a, a psychologist, and uh, he, he, yeah, he works for the Department of Justice and the Defence Force, and all that. So, we we have very interesting conversations about that sort of thing, and it just started to fascinate me um, from the point of view that you know, not not just your serial killers, but your everyday psychopaths, which we are starting to learn more and more about. The general public 
um, knows about this sort of thing now because of reporting and because of social media and because so many bad things have happened at a high corporate and government level that you know it's kind of like why are these people doing these things you know why are they destroying people's lives um, but they're not killers you know but you know thousands of people are committing suicide because of you know their the fraud that they you know what i mean so uh, so these are these are people these are the high percentage of people that we uh of course there goes the harley davidson um there's a there's a you know very high uh figure of these people living amongst us you know and uh i'm sort of working on developing a, a tv series based on on this sort of thing and that, that all is all is going to be hopefully a, a really cool drama um but it's also educational you know so uh and, and it's a fascinating thing and i was just um speaking to somebody today about um you know ch- children you know and bullies and uh, the the problem is that, uh, you know, there's always going to be different percentage, but a lot of bullies are just, you know, child psychopaths that are irredeemable and will grow up to be, um, you know, psychopaths, you know, people without empathy or without emotion. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know, it, it it was the the numbers have changed recently, and it was considered to be around two percent of the population of the male po- population, but they've reassessed that recently, and it's getting up to like the eight <laughs> percent, which is pretty scary when you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, these are functioning. Yeah. 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 Well. Yeah. Well, it's. Yeah. It. You know. It's just, it is, I think, and it happened in Vancouver in particular, in particular, that they discovered that it is a, a, a disorder with the brain, you know, that the the areas of the brain that re, that are required to feel empathy and emotions were not there, you know, they, they did... Yeah, they did uh, brain scans of every serial killer in BC Penitentiary and then compared them to, uh, you know, mixed all those scans up with people with schizophrenia and various forms of mental health issues and and their normal, uh, quote-unquote, normal brains. And uh, everybody, every sort of surgeon that they gave it to said separate these into piles, you know, all the... uh, all the um, psychopathic scans, all, all the scans of the serial killers went into one pile without any, you know, no percentage of error sort of thing. So, um, yeah, you know, so it, it is a, it is a, an issue that um, is, it's a mixture of nature and nurture now, you know, whether you become a, a serial killer or, or a, you know, a person that goes through life basically imitating emotions. 
um, is what they do. And in, in, yeah, like De- Dexter, you know, Dexter is a great um, example of of that because everything in that show is really beautifully and accurately done. You know, his you, you know uh, asymmetrical sort of smiles and weird droopy sort of you know facial tics and the inner monologue. Everything is really rea- really accurate in that show, except for the fact that he targets only serial killers or bad people because a true psychopath if they had a completely innocent per, per, yeah no if you had an innocent person 10 feet away from him and a serial killer 20 feet away from him he'd go for the easiest target you know um or the target that he wants and not you know um but uh, that that's quite an, a really interesting show um and really really well done in that respect so um but very charismatic very driven charismatic um kind and attentive until they want to destroy you yeah until they want to destroy you yeah 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 absolutely no no it's it's like you know um uh someone will say uh what why did you do that to cameron yeah it's like because i wanted that watch what, what, why would you ask a question like that? It's simple. You know, that's what it's like. That's how... Yeah, yeah, it's scary. Um, but yeah... So yeah, it, it's it's a fascinating thing that is becoming more and more uh, publicly aware um, because of... Especially the incidence of, you know, of high-level um, sort of fraud that happens because, you know, it's like people that way inclined um, are really driven to get whatever they want and they'll trample over everything and it's kind of like at some stage it all has to come falling down you know um Conrad Black Bernie Madoff all those guys yeah 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 um and you know like even um what's his name Wolf of Wall Street dude yeah you know I yeah yeah you know to that that's kind of to me that's the ultimate you know corporate psychopath and and i'm actually a little bit disappointed in you know scorsese in in glorifying that guy i don't know if uh yeah um film's great it's a great film but it actually paints him as a pretty cool dude you know yeah 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 so it's uh yeah, it, it was kind of like it was a fun film to watch, but at the at the base of it, you know, he hurt a lot of people, and uh, um, you know, it's uh, you can take what you want from any film, um, but I see, I, I I can sort of see that film as an educational thing and say, fuck, this is this guy is is a terrible person, but then the general public, there's a lot of the, your lowest, you know, the other ends of the bell, bell curve that watch movies are going, yeah, that is, oh man, he's so cool, I want to be like that, you know, I want to, you know, light cigars with $100 bills, well, you know, I've, I'm, I've destroyed everybody's savings, life savings in doing that, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, the idea is that, that it will be based on, on one character, yeah. No, no, the, it, it will never, it probably won't address, you know, what's co- quite common, that serial killers and things like that. It'll be, it'll be more about the, the, the things that we have to deal with every day without knowing, you know. You could be as, uh, I think his name was, um... 
there's a, a, a Canadian psychologist who uh, you know did a documentary about this, and you know he basically said you could be married to one for 20 years and not know it. And there are a lot of cases of that where you know you start to become used to the behaviour and the and you doubt yourself because that's what gets sewn into you is self doubt and self blame. Yeah, and and you uh, you're con- completely controlled, completely controlled. You know, so it's um, yeah it. You know, I don't want to talk too much about it until, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, yeah, I'm doing this show, you know, it's going to be awesome. And then, you know, unless you actually do it, you know, I feel bad. It's like now everybody's going to listen to this and be going, when's that show coming out? I was like, I've been working on this for like four years, man. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. My, my biggest thing is that, you know, I, I like to, um, uh, I like to, assemble people that address my weaknesses and I'm not a writer you know I think I can come up with some pretty good ideas and concepts and do treatments and say here's the basic here's the characters here's who they are and then try to find a really good scriptwriter to write me a, a pilot episode you know and you know I've, I've sort of mentioned that you know like a lot more detail I'm saying here the core idea of this thing to a lot of people uh, that are friends at, at, you know and they're going that's an awesome idea you should do it and I'm saying well uh, you know and I'm an experience in getting films made I'm a photographer you know and you know most people say you know get your bible and get a, a pilot script done you know but finding somebody that wants to that you can write that can write for you and think on in your terms is very difficult you know and you you either try to find someone again like what you're saying and I about partnering up with them that believes in the idea is great I found a lot of people like that but everybody's got their great ideas for a script too so that's where they put their energy first you know so I end up with a few people saying I love it I'll write it as soon as I finish this you know and you know that's happening again and again and uh, another friend a really good friend of mine Justin Dix is um, who's a uh, you know a um, an incredible uh, props maker but now has become a you know becoming a successful writer and director and producer he was just saying bang it out yourself you know just no matter how good or bad it is just write it and it can be the worst script ever but once it's once it's on paper until anything like even a photograph that's on your hard drive until it's printed it doesn't exist you know and until um, I do that there's no way to move to to correct it if I've got you know 60 or 70 pages written on a, on a pilot episode or something it's a lot easier for me to give that to somebody and say mold this into a good shape rather than here's my idea start from scratch because you got to sit yourself away for two months you know so it's a big ask to say hey write me a screenplay without dropping 10 grand you know if I had that sort of money to give somebody then I would have had the script written ages ago but you know I keep on buying cameras <laughs> Yeah, now now I've put myself on the spot to do that too, but that's the plan, yeah. I think I'm going to have to. You know, I think it's a really important story to tell and it's a really important um, way to educate people that are, you know, trapped in these situations. So I really want to do, uh, actually do it and um, move forward with it. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, surrounded by man. Every time you go into a Starbucks and there's you know fifty, fifty or sixty people in there, like there is in this one here, um, you got to look around and say, I know there are psychopaths in here. The percentages tell you, yeah, yeah. Let, let alone going to a nightclub or a restaurant or something like that, you know. So, and that is a clinical person that has been born without the ability to feel empathy. That you know will 
look um, at a tree and say, interesting, look at you getting hit by a car, say, interesting, and look at, you know, um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what. That's the only way to function. That's the only way to function. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. They. I guess it's. Um, it's all about moving forward in the world with that cover, you know, of being a normal person with a wife, but. But being a you know a control. You know, when you're in a relationship or married to somebody, you've got that toy to play with hidden from everybody else. You know, it's, it's a challenge doing it in the workplace um, uh, and they do it quite effectively. But, you know, when you, you've got that partner that's, uh, that you can play psychological games with and control and, uh, and don't get me wrong, it's... it's yeah, you know, like when we talk about this, even as I'm talking about it, I'm picturing the male, the male, the male, but the percentage of um, female psychopaths is very, very high too, and they are exponentially worse as far as cruelty goes than the men, you know, so, yeah. Hmm. I think it's, um, when when the estimates were at, at around 2, two yeah, when the estimates, I don't know what the current ones are, but when the estimates were at two point two to two and a half percent for males it was like 1.8 percent 1.6 to 1.8 for, for women yeah could be yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's why you want to stay on din- tinder man yeah <laughs> like we, we we call that the murder app in australia yeah. Hmm. no yeah i this is my home base now. I've got my green card, and uh, um, you know, it's uh, been here for two years full time now. So, yeah, you know, it uh, again, work work takes me places, uh, and um, self imposed work takes me places too. So when I, you know, I'll go to Vancouver to visit friends, but then you know, I've, I've gone to San Fe to do some uh, some work with TJ. Uh, we're sort of some self imposed project, but sometimes I get taken back to Australia to do corporate photography as well which is really great pays well um, but yeah you know oh well you know the the bankers do not the filmmakers <laughs> yeah so oh absolutely you know I, I, I don't sneeze at um, you know architectural and corporate um, photography because actually it's kind of how I cut my teeth and I really enjoy um, bringing back what I've learned about shooting actors and, and people in Hollywood and bringing that flavor to to the work that I do with CEOs and things like that you know it's good it's good fun yeah yeah and uh, it's always a challenge because you you kind of get spoiled by an actor when you say I need this and I need that and I need this kind of introspective nature from you and I need uh, you know this punch in the nose joy from you and they just go bang 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 yeah yeah, yeah, and you go. So I want you to look really, and they're like, it, it's just like they—they they all look like they've been hit in the face with a two by four, you know, just stunned with light. So it, it takes a little bit more work to extract that from them, you know. I learned the hard way, um, but it's still great fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy all sorts of photography, but photography of people is is my passion. You know, it's what I know how to do. And mm. 
Oh yeah, yeah, a little. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, almost, almost. It's uh, yeah, there, there will be yeah, there'll be different um, different volumes of the of the same series. Um, we did a Kickstarter campaign um, for the Man of Sci-Fi, which was successful. Um, it uh, you know it it went really really well, and uh, it just shows Kickstarter is great because it actually shows you the um, the market. Um, for something by creating a, a structured pre-order system for the world, you know, and if you do a campaign, if you say, if I do this book and I drop $30,000 into creating this book, um, hopefully people will buy it, and if they don't, you're kind of screwed, you're stuck with 3,000 copies of a book that, you know, nobody wants, whereas with Kickstarter, you don't have any product created yet, so you're assess- ex- assessing the demand, you know, and when you know, you do sell 500 or a thousand of those books you realize cool now i can make them because not only do i know that people want them but they've given me the money to make them so it's a great system and uh you know we did we did well with uh with the book and uh the, you know the only hiccup i had with it was um not realizing the the immense effort to to bring it to fruition you know as a one-man band you know with you know two other friends happening it's a big product so you know in, in, invariably with normal life like uh, doing uh, jobs to pay the bills and uh, taking opportunities that are good too good to refuse that actually then further fuel the book because you say hey we're gonna we want you to come to New York for three weeks to do this and it's like oh god you know they're shooting Gotham there so I can get some actors for the book for the book you know and all of a sudden you haven't been behind the computer for three weeks you know and things fall behind a little bit but um, so you know we're about uh, probably only about a month to six weeks behind with our uh, initial delivery um, uh, estimates for the book but it's always been for good things you know and, and propagate a better product you know initially the book uh, was going to have like 12 actors in it um, because of those opportunities that have come up now we're up to you know people are getting a, a book with 27 you know people in a sort of thing you know so yeah. mm. Mm. absolutely there's a lot of Battlestar actors in the book but um, um, I you know I, I like them both uh, but I grew up with Star Trek so yeah 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 because you know um, long before Star Wars long 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 before Star Wars um, you know I was I'm old enough to have been watching Star Trek when it came out you know so I was born in 63 you know so but by the time yeah by the time you know it got to Australia you know in the in the late 60s early 70s you know I was seven eight nine years old and I was you know sneaking out of bed at 11 o'clock at night and turning on the the black and white TV and waiting for five minutes while the tubes warmed up you know and uh, uh, and that little dot turned into a picture and uh, you know um, so and there was no Star Wars then you know and uh, so you, you that's kind of your first you know my first thing in, entry into it was um, was Star Trek and then it was you know all those early Charlton Heston sci-fis like the Amiga Man and Planet of the Apes and Soylent Green you know all that stuff came in for me long before Star Wars did and then Star Wars was you know a mind-blowing experience when it came out and to me for me the first film uh, is you know th- still the best you know the the sense yeah everybody loves Empire and funnily enough Empire was kind of 
the more most forgetful film for me. I, Empire was really cool, you know, but I think. Yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, the 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 sort of the the newness and the sense of of you know this these like actual worlds that weren't a um, you know a, a set with a you know cardboard orange or pink sky like Star Trek was, you know, um, but these truly new worlds and land speeders and um, and all this incredible hope and youngness that 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 beauty of that film is so ingrained in me that I kind of um, found, you know, the punch in your face that was Empire Strikes Back was just a little bit overwhelming, you know. And um, so to me, it kind of went, you know, Star Wars Empire Return, you know, in cascading favourites sort of for me. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it it is what it is. uh, But Star Wars was there. But to me, Star Trek has always been, you know, the first and foremost. And then, of course, as far as movies go, once Blade Runner came out, I kind of forgot about everything else, you know. Hmm. No, no, no. It was right out of the gate, and I'm I'm always a a person of like, <laughs> you know, if if a film gets overly canned, even today, if people, especially when critics say something's really bad, um, I'll go hmm. I'm going to go see that film, and usually it's a, you know, it turns out to be, uh, again, you know, those ends of the bell curve, the lowest common denominator, the masses is just love, you know, the cookie cutter shit that, um, you know, a lot of critics just, uh, you know, they'll, they'll jump on board with that. So, um, you know, there, there are cases in and out. Um, to me, again, you know, if something gets a, a super, super, super high score on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm always a bit wary about it because, you know, it's open to judgment by the masses sort of thing um and uh so you know as a you know almost just to you know like most of my friends are just star wars fanatics you know complete zealots you know like yeah uh, so obviously as a, a typical australian shitster the first thing i'm going to do is talk about how crap the force awakens was you know and and you know i but i would i, I was uh, you know i enjoyed the film but to be honest with you i had to watch it twice because i was really bored by it the first time i watched it and i fell asleep and i had to i, I couldn't be judgmental on it without having seen you know 20 minutes of the middle of the film you know so I had to go and see it again and I nearly dozed off a second time as well so I was like yeah you know um hmm. yeah hmm Yeah. Yeah. It was world changing, you know. No. Well, they can't because they're bombarded with Avengers and you know Spider-Man and everything. It's like you know. So you got some some Vipers. So you got some you know X-wings flying around. What's the big deal? When we saw that for the first time, it was like. Yeah. 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 Hmm. 
Yeah. 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 And it's not the filmmaker's fault, and it's not the you know the problem of the the beautiful work that the visual effects team are doing and the money they're throwing at it and all that sort of stuff. But um, there's just uh, you know there's you can never replace that sort of feeling that you got when you saw Star Wars for the first time. Um, and you know I the only time you know the freshness of something like Deadpool was kind of the first time I really enjoyed seeing a, a film that was um you know took a new new edge to things you know it was a lot of fun and it was it was brave you know and and i enjoyed that i enjoyed it you know that sort of stuff but a film that you know i saw last night that tj dragged me out to watch because tj uh and i keep on saying tj he's as you may or may not know he's a very prolific director um tj scott so he does gotham and orphan black you know he's won awards for directing orphan black and black sales and spartacus and all that sort of stuff yeah and he's um he, he's a yeah yeah he's a cool cat and uh, but he's not a, not big into going to the movies to watch superhero movies so he dragged me out to see this film called Sing Street, um, and uh, Sing Street, and it's an indie film uh, and uh, it's about kids growing up in in Ireland uh, uh, wanting to be musicians you know as young school children you know and it's one of the best films I've seen in a long time absolutely amazing you know and I really enjoyed that and I want to go and see it again and that doesn't often happen you know I did not want to see Star Wars again um, uh, and you know I'm quite happy to have seen Deadpool once um, and I'll be quite happy to see the sequel uh, and I'll be happy to see uh, you know Captain America once and that's it but you know you got this film that you know probably cost you know two million dollars to make and it is fucking awesome it is like the most enjoyable thing i've seen in a long long time yeah um and it's got heart and it's got soul and you love the characters just like you love star the first star wars movie you know so. mm. yeah there's a time and a place for all of them yeah mm. Yeah. Oh, we love our superhero stuff. We love our sci-fi, you know. Uh, uh, not really. I mean, uh, you know, the book, uh, and in particular the book, Men of Sci-Fi, isn't really that anymore. It's kind of like men of genre, you know, because... Uh, yeah, and it, it's fairly wide, you know, it goes into things like Spartacus and all that sort of stuff, but I didn't want to call it MOG or MOG, you know. MOSF sounded better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, pop culture and all that sort of stuff. But I, I include everything, pop culture, superheroes, uh, you know, um, science fiction. You know, science fiction really is like your, your Star Trek and your Star Wars. And, uh, um, oh, oh, geez. Yeah, the, you know, oh, front and center, you know, opening book is Edward James Almos, you know, who is an extraordinary actor and, you know, he's like prolifically working like he did a season of Dexter he's done a, I think a season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and um, he's making movies still and uh, uh, he's kind of he opens uh, the book because for me he was kind of like the guy that got me into this sort of thing you know so uh, there was no it was it was really difficult because I was trying to wondering whether I was going to get a chance to shoot him this year again because he keeps getting busy and I didn't want to do this book without 
you know somebody iconic like him into it so i was very happy to do that but you know we go back to the 70s with lou ferrigno and got some beautiful fun shots of lou in there and he's he's extraordinary you know he's like in his 60s and you know he he's got a body of a 20 five-year-old athlete you know so we, and he's a really fun guy you know really a lot of fun to work yeah yeah so Lou's in there and we've got uh you know we go quite young uh you know quite out of the men category with Chandler Riggs from Walking Dead you know um who's you know 16 but again iconic you know walk, you know it's all about zombies these days so um it's a lot of fun to have have him in the book as well uh, and yeah, you know, quite quite a mixed bag. We've got Manu Bennett, you know, from Spartacus and uh, Arrow and uh, Shannara Chronicles and the Lord of the Rings films. Um, you know, uh, oh god, I've got a, having a mental black blank now. But we've got Jamie Bamber, James Callis, you know, Battlestar Galactica, um, uh, Joe Flanagan, Stargate. You know, real real mixed bag from a lot of genres of, of favorite sci-fi shows. You know. Um, and uh yeah you know it's uh 24 actors but then i've got i wanted to swing a little bit behind the camera and i've got three um uh producer director types as well because you know a lot of these shows are what they are and look like what they look like because of the directors you know so um the the creator of spartacus stephen denight is quite a striking cool looking guy he's got the most awesome tattoos so i did a photo shoot with him he is directing uh pacific rim 2 so that's kind of big uh, yeah not many people bother with uh you know when i'm on set i love shooting shooting the directors and the grips and the first ad's and the cinematographers as much as i like shooting the actors you know that's kind of like the 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 foundation and and the cement of the house you know what i mean and uh, people tend to ignore that a lot you know uh and we've got tj of course you know for you know again he propagated a lot of uh, my work in in this uh, uh, in this city um, and has become one of my best friends and I couldn't have really done a lot of what I've done without him so he had to be in the book of course and you know uh, and he directs you know a lot of my favorite shows so uh, you know he was in it and then uh, Danny Cannon as well who's quite a, an iconic producer director he's responsible for all the forms of CSI that you see um, but of course you know he directed the first Judge Dredd movie um, so yeah and you know I, you know I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid you know I love Sylvester Stallone I loved you know Sandra Bullock you know I loved all those uh, Arnie you know uh, Running Man you know uh, yeah or, or a Sylvester Stallone movie you know so um, so I you know um, I, I really and look I grew up uh, you know we go back a little bit but I I grew up working in a comic book store, you know, in my hometown, you know, it was called Minotaur Books and uh, it was kind of like your Meltdown comics, you know, that sort of thing, but on a whole other level, like really prolific. Uh, yeah, something ball that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I walked, worked in one of those kind of stores. So I was, I was by, uh, you know, I was a big fan of the 2000 AD comics. So, you know, I was, I was buying Judge Dredd, uh, you know, and, and wearing Judge Dredd, you know, 
you know, baseball caps and stuff like that long before most of the people that are into this sort of stuff now were born sort of thing. So I, I really enjoyed that, you know, the slyer rendition of the film as much as I, I love the, the Carl Urban one as well, you know. So, um, you know, it's it, it's part of my childhood. So for me, it's kind of like that Star Wars thing as well, you know. So Demolition Man, all those films are just part of my psyche, you know. So, um, yeah, Danny's, a, you know, he's um, uh, an amazing producer, an amazing and director so they're, they're three really uh, quite amazing people from behind the camera that I wanted to be in the book you know um, and they're they're at the back of the book like they're at the back of the camera sort of thing you know what I mean so yeah yeah you've got to you've got to do it I mean yeah you know it's it's my ode to the people you know and I'd like to do more of that like uh, when I do um, the women of sci-fi book you know I'd like to um, concentrate on some of the women that are that your your creatives and producers and directors and things like that as well so uh, yeah but that one's uh, that one's a little bit you know we might get a kickstarter off for that towards the end of the year mid-year we'll see how we go I've just got to get MOSF out first and to the to its backers and uh, and in their hands and, and then we'll go on to the next one you know Yeah, thank you. And and people can actually people can actually um, do pre-orders for the book that missed out on the um, on the actual Kickstarter campaign now too. So um, what we're looking at doing is once we supply all the pledges that we got, then we're going to bring out a version of the book that people will be able to they can order now and they'll get for Christmas. You know, it'll be supplied around September, October or so. Um, and uh, you know, great Christmas present sort of thing for sci-fi fans and. Um, and photography people too you know we it, the reason people follow what I do um, as far as who I am on social media and so forth is is partially because I photograph the people they love so if you have something to do with somebody that everybody loves and by default they kind of love you as well but you know part of it is who I'm shooting and the other part of it is there's a, you know people love photography you know and um, it is yeah well you know if you think about it 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 is the number one hobby on the planet everybody on the planet is a photographer and the most used camera uh in the in the world right now is the iphone so um people always looking at ways of you know changing it up a little bit or adding some new sort of style or whatever so um i i'm a photographer and you know you look in my house there's it's 90 percent of the books are in there are uh, photography books you know because we all love looking at um other versions of what we do you know and and being inspired and influenced by things so absolutely absolutely sure yeah yeah sure sure yeah Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. Visually. Yeah. Look, I I try to help people as much as I can because I know how hard it can, it can be, sort of uh, finding a place in the world in general, let alone in in sort of a business or a field that you're passionate about. So, the one thing I try to uh, let people know is that they they have to be persistent. You know, persistence is is what everything is about. You know, you can't just take photographs for a year and decide you, since you're not famous or making a lot of money doing it you know if you if you love 
what you're doing you there's nothing that will stop you from doing it and you can't sleep without dreaming about doing it you know and that's the way it is so i try to be uh as as positively influential as i can in social media and supportive of people and always answer questions and if i can i i you know i'll take people out on shoots you know and tj does the same we're both very um mentoristic in our um you know as far as we can you know um but I think initially uh, and still to, to date somebody that really besides the people that you know that I don't have you know relationships with or physical physical access to I have my favorite photographers that you know I wanted to be like when I grew up you know and uh, and for me um, it was uh, you know like initially what captivated me about about photography was the work that Annie Libowitz was doing, you know, and if you don't know Annie Libowitz, she's probably one of the most prolific photographers in the world, always does Vanity Fair, pretty much ever, yeah. Um, so her style uh, and, and the look and feel and the post-production of her work was what really captivated me and got me interested uh, at an early age, but then um, I was always a, a huge um, uh, aficionado of U2, you know, and their music from, you know, very very early on you know again you know i'm a 70s and 80s child you know so you two and the cure all that sort of stuff were were my music genres and um uh, the photographer that uh you know was shooting them forever since they were pimply kids was anton corbin you know yeah and his black and white stuff, you know, I've got three-inch thick books of U2 photographs that are all black and white by Anton Corbin, and he's photographed them so much. But he's, his work with them, his natural light work, as well as, you know, one of the things that I loved um, about what he would do is, you know, you take a step back and see what he's doing, and he would have Kino Flow lights out in the middle of the field, you know, so he would be lighting them with cinematic lighting, you know, like lights that were designed for making movies and TV, you know, no flash you know and that's what kind of got me interested in in shooting with Kino flows uh, originally so we all we all we're all de- derivative you know my work doesn't look like anything like Anton Corbin but I'm going wow I'm going to try that that's really cool and then you bring something of yourself into it so you should never feel bad about trying to imitate somebody because you will never be able to copy it You'll be, never be able to do. I'll never be able to do an Annie Leibovitz photograph. But if I try in my fumbling ways, I will eventually instill myself into that style, and I will create a look that is quite, you know, unique to me, sort of thing. And uh, you know, that's um, you know, they, they were kind of my two driving things. And now I'm sort of leaning back towards a lot more black and white, and I'm looking at my Anton Corbin books again. And of course, Anton Corbin directed a lot of their music videos, and then went on to direct a film that I really love called American, you know, which such a great um, film, you know, it, uh, that breathes, you know, it's a film that you can sit there and it, it has a very 70s, 80s filmmaking sensitivity to it, which is why, yeah, and, and it's interesting because my, and there's not a single young person I know or a youngish person that likes that film because their their goldfish attention span does not uh, allow them to enjoy a film where you know a guy is doing crunches and sit-ups because he's an assassin for you know for like five minutes and, and it's just this beautiful wide cinematic shot and you know it's, it's there's all this subtext going on and you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So Anton, Anton Corbin is a great photographer to look up. I mean, his stuff is just raw and beautiful. And uh, um, But 
I, I think there's always, because of my love for filmmaking, there's always been a, a bit of a cinematic approach to my photography, you know, and I tend to always shoot horizontally, regardless of whether it requires to be a portrait, you know, and it's a lot of negative. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So, you know, there's always a lot of negative space in in, in my shots and uh, um, there will be, you know, a, a person off to either side in the rule of thirds. There'll be, in, you know, one third of the, the photograph. But I, I think just that uh, there's kind of a little bit of, a again, a, a raw, real, rustic style to my photograph and photography in that... Um, you know, I'll do a lot of natural light photography and there'll be shadows and things like that. And that comes from, uh, you know, um, the cinematographer of Battlestar Galactica who I met on Battlestar, um, Steve McNutt. And, you know, if you watch Battlestar, there is a, you know, everything is practical lighting. You know, people are moving in and out of shadows. Um, people will be walking down a corridor and they'll stop and they'll be talking and holding this conversation. It'll be Katie Sarkoff and Michael Truco or somebody like that. You won't, you won't be able to see their, their, their eyes or their, you know, like they're just completely in these deep socketed shadows and then it's, it's just like beautiful, you know. So I just started to really be fascinated by his um, uh, sense of style and, uh, you know, the way he would light things. And, uh, and I, I could for, forever be on set so looking at a scene as they're filming going, where the fuck is that light coming from, you know? And he will have them being lit by the ambient light created by the console, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and stuff like that. It was just so beautiful. So for me, um, stylistically, uh, um, he, you know, even though he was, he's doing moving pictures, um, he's a photographer as well you know so I, I would always look to him you know and uh, look to his work and talk to him about lighting and uh, um, so as close as uh, as a real living mentor that I could talk to about this sort of thing it would have to be Steve McNutt who you know went on to you know he's doing um, Outlander now with Ron Moore again you know which is very different different you know yeah mm. yeah, yeah yeah so there you go Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um you look around the world every day and see. Oh man, I I I, I have no discipline. <laughs> I'm such a yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a bit of a hack when it comes to that, and uh, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I have very little discipline, unfortunately. And you know, I was in the army reserves for a number of years, which uh, taught me a lot about discipline and and uh, you know, having a strict reg- regiment and stuff like that. Um, but uh, you know, it kind of wore off, and uh, I roll out of bed when I roll out of bed. But the the, the thing is, I don't have the discipline to switch myself off. So um, tonight, I'll go back to work, and I'll, I'll you know. Um, I'll start photoshopping and I'll get excited about it and the next thing I know it'll be five o'clock in the morning and so and then I you know you you, you can't consistently go to bed at four and five am and get up at seven am to start the day like normal people do so my hours are kind of like um, eleven till five 
and that's not that's not 11 till 5 p.m. 11 till 5 a.m. You know what I mean? So um, so people uh, sometimes people can't reach me, and you know I will take a call because I have to take a call and it's nine, and they can tell I'm still in bed, and there's this there's this kind there they can you can always tell, and there's this thing of like oh you know life's tough, isn't it, man? You know, but I didn't go to bed at 9:30 after having a barbecue with and a few beers with my friends. You know, I I worked my ass off until 5 a.m. You know, and it's not it's it's mentally taxing work it's not like you know putting together things on a production line you're really thinking about what you're doing and analyzing and you're this far away from the screen and you know it's just one of those things so oh, i love it i love it yeah 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 um but yeah i uh i um i i sort of I, I, I like to shoot as often as I can and you probably saw me I've got another meeting to go to and you know I prepare my camera I take my camera with me wherever I go so if I'm not out on a shoot uh, I will shoot all the time yeah always look and, and, and that's the thing you know you can't uh, once you get to this point in industry even probably yourself the same you can't go into a, a movie and really enjoy it like the general public does I am I'm looking yeah, I'm looking. Wow, where's that light coming from? How you know? And I'm, you know, if you if it's a big, beautiful shot, and the person is big in the screen, you're looking into their eyes and trying to figure out where the specular highlights are coming from and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's why you have to see a film a few. Yeah, that's why you have to see a film a few times, the second time, to actually try and enjoy it. Because I really, if something is lit really beautifully, I'm I'm looking at the hair and I'm looking at the shine on their foreheads, trying to figure out where all those lights are placed to make it look like that, you know. And um, then you, you kind of lose. The <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. As an image maker, you sort of do that, and then as an actor, you're kind of looking at the way they're delivering the scenes and like. Oh, you know, looking at the nuances of the face and the ticks and all, and so it, it, it's a, it's the nature of the beast. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, a person who's into car design. You know, um, will be looking at the way something is sculpted, and uh, you know, it's just what you do as a person in any given industry. You know, so it's uh, I love it. You know. Um, oh, geez. Uh, I, probably the easiest way is just to, to Google. I mean, I couldn't tell you my Facebook, you know, like, uh, but, you know, my, my name is spelled D-E-N-N-Y-S and then, yeah, like the rest of them, without the, the apostrophe, uh, then I-L-I-C, Illich is my surname. And uh, if you Google that, you'll get onto, you'll find my Facebook, Dennis Illich Photography. It's Facebook forward slash Dennis Illich Photography. Um, if you go Dennis Illich on Google and then put Twitter in there or Instagram, you'll find all those accounts and I'll all be talking about the books and where to get them all the time. And, uh, uh, and you know, the, I have the, the photography page. I always post new things and I'm happy to answer people's questions about the work and my work and, um, and point them in the right direction and talk to them about the cameras I use and all that sort of stuff. I'm very open book when, I, when it comes to that sort of thing. I'm not secretive or uh, scared to tell people how I do what I do and how I like what I light and uh you know one of the most beautiful things to me is to take somebody out who really really wants to be a photographer and has the resources to do it do that and i've done this a few times uh and and they come out and they assist me a few times and they run off and open up a studio and uh you know it, nothing makes me happy to to be propagating that because at the end of the day you know what i think about 
uh, a lot at my age is um you know how many people are going to come to your funeral or be sad when you're dead you know and the last thing i want is, is like why would you want to live a life that has somebody saying you know what that guy was an asshole he wouldn't even tell me what camera he was using you know what i mean um it's it's and so it's, it's a little bit selfish you know you want to, everyone wants to be liked you know and i don't do that because i want to be liked but i get a really good feeling out of having somebody send me a message saying thank you so much for your help you know and that's what what more do we want to do on this planet than be good to other people you know that's what we're here for we're not psychopaths hopefully so you know yeah oh, my pleasure man yeah yeah and a copy not the best copy <laughs> but yeah you know, I was, uh, when I was, um, you know, advertising for my spare room in my apartment, you know, saying it was like, uh, you know, we, we've got this and, you know, I make good coffee every morning. And if you don't like good coffee, there's actually a Starbucks right down the road as well. <laughs> but we like Starbucks, you know, it's a, at a pinch, it's a great, yeah, 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 absolutely. My pleasure, man. Thanks for coming out and uh, anytime. We'll see you again sometime soon. So that was Dennis Illich, everybody. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I really had a good time. As I think you can tell, it was a really good conversation. And um, I'm going to make sure to post a bunch of his work on the blog. So if you go to triumphanddisasterblog.com, you'll see a bunch of, uh, I'll put a bunch of his photos up and some links to his books, which really legitimately are super cool. I think you should check it out. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, Again, if you could just take a quick second and just even a one-line rating and review on iTunes would be really helpful. It just helps uh, promote the show with Apple. So if you can go to iTunes, make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Hope you enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you in about a week or so. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 